Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Try as I may, I could never explain. What I hear when you don't say things The smile on your face lets me know that you need me There's a truth in your eyes saying you'll never leave me The touch of your hand says you'll catch me if ever I fall Hello everyone and welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a show for people who resonate with Mahatma Gandhi's quote, learn like you're going to live forever, live like you're going to die tomorrow. This is Jess Bina, your host and the founder of Intersections Match, a global personalized matchmaking and coaching company for successful and commitment-minded singles. I'm very excited to welcome to today's show, Jeanette Ng. Jeanette is a New York City-based certified personal trainer, triathlon coach, and precision nutrition coach who earned her Ironman finish after transitioning from reporting from town hall meetings, the streets of New York City, and red carpets, as well as acted, including an appearance on Law & Order and FBI, modeled in a host of national ad and commercial campaigns, performed stand-up, and authored a book for authors. Jeanette is now gearing up to launch her virtual health and wellness business from the ashes of COVID as she aspires to help her real, local, and global community achieve deep health. Welcome, Jeanette. Thank you so much, Jasmina. It is an honor to be interviewed by you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on. And, you know, prioritizing health and fitness is one of the most common values our clients seek in a partner. As a personal trainer, what uh, what top tips can you share with our listeners regarding staying fit when in, in many areas of the country in the U.S., uh, gyms are not an option at the moment? Well, I think that one of the most important things is to stay fit in terms of your nutrition and your movement, no matter what the circumstances are. And so if it's something that is your lifestyle, then you will be doing it whether you are uh, in your regular weekly schedule, on vacation, or during a pandemic. And I think the most important thing is to habitualize health and wellness so that it's incorporated into your life to eat well, sleep well, move well, and no matter what your circumstances are, you will find a way to do that. I love that. Habitualize health and wellness. So now here, Janet, here's the thing. Now, I find that sincere, relationship-oriented men, and they often like to stay away from appearing creepy when they approach women, right? They don't want to be that guy. So, you know, as a personal trainer, what what do you think of guys approaching women at uh at gyms and I can any guidance you can give them? <laughs> I 
don't think that just because you're approaching a woman in a gym that is creepy or inappropriate. I think it's mm-hmm. more about the approach and your intentions than where you do it. And if you yeah. are genuinely interested in a woman and find her attractive and want to get to know her better, then you begin with a line. And if you're in a gym, then I've been approached in the gym and had someone uh, compliment me on my form during my Turkish getup because he noticed that I was doing them on my own. And that made sense. And we ended up going on a date two weeks later. So it can absolutely work. Uh, but I've also been approached in more, uh, quote unquote, appropriate settings like bars or restaurants or something like that. And the approach wasn't genuine or um, socially, um, what's the word, like aware of, you know, my cues. And so I think the most mm-hmm. important thing is to just be aware of a woman's cues. And you're, you're, if you're sensing reciprocity, you know, reciprocity, then go ahead and approach her and pursue her number and a date because we want to be approached at the end of the day. I certainly would like to be approached more. So I think uh, I encourage men to do so in a sincere way and just be very aware of the cues that you're receiving in response, wherever you are. Wonderful. That is, it is about approach. Again, it is not about the setting. It is about your, you said the intention and the approach. Can you, you want to dive deeper into that, given, like you said, in terms of the signals and being, because I know that men are not, you know, they're not always as attuned to body language cues and some of those non-verbals. Any, any, um, any hints you can give with respect to, I know you mentioned reciprocity, any other hints you can give from just your personal experience? It's maybe what didn't work um, when it was just, you know, like you said, a lack of sort of awareness of those cues, or even, you know, when you really appreciated someone, you know, responding to the cues you were giving out. Any, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Yeah, no, it's okay. I, I try to, as a woman, just be receptive to men. And I think that as a single woman, that's one of the best things you can do because a man doesn't require much. So just being mm-hmm. open, being uh, happy, smiling, making eye contact is enough. I I hope so. <laughs> that is my hope yes. that we don't have to go and, you know, ask a man for his number or ask him out. So if a woman is doing those things and, and seeming to be open, then that is fertile soil, I would say, for you to go ahead and dip a toe in the water, make that initial, like, testing the waters uh, conversation starter. And uh, I think after that, it's just like any other situation. If you feel like someone wants to keep talking to you, then you can keep talking. If it's just a matter of them being in a rush or having something else going on, um, then maybe it's 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 asking to continue the conversation later, it's not necessarily a rejection, right? Because you don't know where you're encountering. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would so say just be, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, just be hopeful and, 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 and 
and think of the best case scenario. But also, you know, if someone says, no, I'm not available and no, I'm not interested, then it is what it is. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that was that was really helpful. You know, you said, you know, women like to be approached, you know, so absolutely. So as a uh, as a nutrition coach, we're gonna we're gonna go back to your um, also your health and fitness as a nutrition coach. Coach, what tips can you share with our listeners regarding you know fueling their bodies for high performance, even you know in their day to day lives? I know you did an Ironman. We're even talking about people high performing um, people in their you know with in their day to day lives, and how can they optimize their nutrition to really have that energy to uh, you know make their day in that sense. Yeah. Well, uh, the main points that I want to make are to be diet agnostic. That's what I am meaning as a coach. I am not pushing a certain diet. And so I am, you're not going to hear fad diets come out of my mouth because the best diet is the diet that works best for your body Mm-hmm. And that is sustainable with your lifestyle. And that is the best diet for you. And that answer is going to be different for everybody. So when I work with clients and even with myself, it's really not about following a diet protocol, but about figuring out your own body's owner's manual. And you do that by taking stock of how different foods affect your body and how realistic it is to do that on a regular basis consistently in your lifestyle and the diet that that makes your body feel good and helps support your goals and is sustainable with your lifestyle that you can do consistently is the best diet for you so the best advice that i would have for people is to just free themselves of chasing after like fad diets or diet protocols and rules of any sort, really. And just think about your body as a unique system that you want to learn more about by uh, taking stock of how different foods affect your body and different ways of eating affect your body. And then just build from there. Um, and also, like, whole foods are probably the number one best thing to do um, as much of as you can because nature just created whole foods in the best delivery system. They're packaged perfectly with the right balance of nutrients and hormones. And so the more you can do that, the better. And then use sort of processed foods and supplements, even protein powders and protein uh, bars as a supplement uh, to the whole foods that you're eating as the main portion of your diet. Wonderful. Thank you for those really valuable tips. Now, wondering what might be one of the of the least well known health and wellness. Maybe you can call it a, somewhat of a secret, even something that is is not quite ubiquitous out there that you can share with our listeners. Kind of an insider secret tip. Anything come to mind in that regard? Something that isn't very well known. I mean, I think that what I just mentioned, uh, yeah. as even though it's redundant, uh, just to say it in another way, the number one thing that I get is people asking questions about what is the secret? And I think the secret is that there is mm. a secret, right? They're like, yes, good. right. Just yesterday, I'm chatting with, you know, someone on FaceTime that I connected with on a 
uh, dating app, right? And, um, you know, once we started talking about health and fitness, the questions started coming. What do you think about eating late at night? Are you talking about the keto diet? And I didn't even mention the mm-hmm. keto diet, but people are very quick to want to yeah. know what what the magic rule is and yeah. what the secret is. And I think, honestly, like the people that are in it for a long time will just let you know, whether as practitioners or coaches, will just let you know that the secret is just good old fashioned, uh, good eating and good movement and doing it in a way that it's a habit and a lifestyle for you. This way you're not deterred from it and you're doing it consistently and that's it. And it's a boring answer, but that's the well, fact that there's you no know secret what? keeps you from chasing after something that doesn't exist, right? It, absolutely. And and uh, and in that sense, I think really, and really what I meant by that was like least well-known. And I think that what you just said in terms of really what is the best for you, right, is really what you honed in on. And that is really important. Everyone's lifestyles are different. And um, so really kind of honing in what's, what's best for the individual, you know, from that perspective, right, as opposed to keto is good for everyone or A, B, A, B and C is good for everyone. So um, that, you know, very, very valuable. And I understand you'll be launching a virtual health and wellness business from, you know, from the, really from the ashes of COVID. What, what can you tell us about that? So what I've learned from uh, quarantine and COVID is that we really want as a population uh, to be able to be self-sufficient, and that includes health and wellness. And how can we do that, you know, without restaurants, without gyms, and the best thing to be able to do is to strip that down and be able to know how to eat well and move well by yourself. So I've always wanted to be able to help more people and uh, to be able to work independent of like a set schedule and a set geography. And so virtual coaching may always was a goal of mine um, because then you're not held to appointments where you train people in person. Uh, so uh, this whole time has uh, been an impetus for me to really get that started now. And um, I'm working on just working with a few experimental clients, and then I'm going to officially uh, bring on paying clients in about a month. So the idea is to be able to uh, be a guide and an accountability coach um, for people to build their blueprint for eating and moving well that they can do consistently, whether that means with a gym or, you know, with uh, meal delivery systems with what as, as little or as much help as they want to be able to create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Wonderful. And again, that and congratulations, by the way, for that. And, um, and, you know, the theme again, blueprint, something customized that makes a, you know, that really resonates. And now, this is interesting. Many Asian Americans, right? Um, they experience external pressures to choose a, choose a traditional career. 
I'm curious, any guidance for other Asian, as an Asian American, any guidance for other Asian Americans also interested in pursuing non-traditional career paths? Absolutely. What I learned, interestingly, is that my experience of having parents that wanted me to only choose being either a doctor or a lawyer or a doctor is not unique to being Chinese or Asian, but it's more mm-hmm. of the immigrant, uh, you know, immigrant parent experience. And I yeah. found that that different friends of mine or people that I spoke to that had immigrant parents, whether they were from Jamaica or uh, Asian country or what have you, they had they experienced that same pressure. And so I think that uh, at the end of the day, to 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 see it as a suggestion, right? And they're not the know-all and be-all because they are coming from their own world and their own culture uh, and their generation, uh, which is that this is the way to be successful and secure. So you mm-hmm. take it as a strong suggestion from parents that mean well and um, and and are delivering the best advice they know within their knowledge and their world. But at the same time, you're in a different world and there are, in your world, many other ways to be successful and secure and also a different definition of being successful and secure, right? And mm-hmm. with Absolutely. that, you want to you wanna make your own decision um, because at the end of the day, you want yourself to feel successful and secure. You don't want your parents to feel successful and secure. That's a bonus if they look at you and feel successful and secure, but if they don't and you do, then you're still winning. And if they do and you don't, then you're losing. So if you become a doctor Mm -hmm. because they want you to become a doctor and they're so proud of you and they feel so secure about you, but you're miserable because you didn't actually want that and you're spending your time dreaming about something else, then you're not winning. And if you are an artist, or a, you know, fitness professional, and they don't even understand what that means, and they can't talk with their friends about it because they're not proud about it. But you are doing well in your industry, and you are taking care of yourself, then you're winning, right? Because you're going to have mm-hmm. to live with yourself mm-hmm. for longer than you're going to live with them. Mm. So it, it's about really creating your, your definition for success. And Okay, wonderful. Very, very helpful. Now we're switching gears again. You have such a <laughs> wealth of experiences. So, you know, you know giving both your, harking to your days of reporting and giving both your professional reporting from the streets of New York City and any personal experiences. Um, you know, you mentioned being single dating as a New Yorker. COVID aside, what, uh, what do you think are the top challenges for single women in New York City. I know New York City can be a different place. We work with people all throughout the country, and I know there's some, you know, unique challenges. Um, a lot of people feel with with that, you know, whole island of Manhattan and the whole New York City dating scene. So, what, what do you think are some of the challenges to single women in New York City seeing a partner, seeking a partner? So, what I think that single women struggle with in New York City is that we are in a, there's a few things. So in no particular order, Mm -hmm. we are in a Mm -hmm. city full of beautiful women uh, that are successful 
and are very desirable in their own way. And so there's a lot of competition, to put it mm -hmm. uh, succinctly. Mm -hmm. Another struggle is that we're in a city full of men who are not necessarily looking to settle down anytime soon. So there is no time frame or age where men are necessarily looking to settle down in New York City because it is completely acceptable to be partying at any age. Um, and so that is a challenge. And also, mm -hmm. I think that we're in such a progressive city uh, that we struggle with knowing the balance of gender roles and whether mm -hmm. the traditional gender role of the man being the pursuer still applies or if we're in a new age where women are expected to be the pursuer or pursue a 50% or something like that. Um, and then also like things like, you know, the Me Too movement add another layer of complication where you wonder if that plays into a man being less uh, uh, aggressive or assertive. Mm -hmm. So I think those mm -hmm. are just some of the things that come are top of mind. Being in, in a city full of competition, also the the candidates are not necessarily all great candidates because they might be not looking to settle down anytime soon, and mm -hmm. a a blend of gender roles or a, a space where gender roles is a a little confusing. Yeah, and it and it doesn't help that the women are outnumbering the men just that that doesn't help on top of the um the challenges you mentioned so in, in, in hearing that and now we're gonna is it a large is it a uh is it a big outnumber yes it is oh. yeah there's there's quite a disparity it's actually throughout the whole east coast um so it's it's all oh, the way gosh. all the way down to florida so yeah so oh, if you're gosh. kind of feeling that right so when you say competition it, it there there you know there there's a there's absolute you know facts just number wise behind that yes it's real. so now well let's let's talk about something else real and you know, really appreciate your your willingness to um to share with with our listeners i know that there can be lots of questions for, for a lot of people a lot of mystery around the process of of egg freezing, actually, and I know that you are in the process of doing it, and you have so kindly, you know, um, wanted, you know, want to, you know, want to share with our um, with our listeners from an empowered point of view. So let me um, let me ask you first thing: Why? Why did you decide to freeze your eggs? Well, this is very timely. You're catching me on day seven of my egg freezing cycle. And I'm pretty much at the halfway point, maybe a little bit more than halfway. And I decided to do this. I started to think about it last year, and then I decided to do it uh, just about three months ago because I know for sure that I want to preserve the possibility of motherhood. And I'm, I'm still single. So the smartest thing I can do is to freeze my eggs this way. While I'm waiting for a partner, my eggs will wait mm -hmm. with me. Mm. 
Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's probably one of the most common reasons, preserving, right? Preserving um, that. And now what are the factors? There's someone who really resonates with that. And they're like, absolutely. You know, that is being really proactive and empowered. And that is what I want to do. But, you know, they have so many questions. And so what, what are the factors that you considered in deciding, you know, where to freeze eggs in, let's talk about New York City. We just spoke of the challenges, right, for for single women in New York City. So what, you know, where to freeze eggs? Like, what, what are the factors you considered there? Well, I think New York City is actually a great place to be for egg freezing. Maybe not so much for dating. But despite it, um, you know, being good or bad for other things, for egg freezing, a lot of people do come yeah. to New York City uh, from far away. And so yeah. there are plenty of places. And it was, for me, a matter of choosing the right one. And so I just began by, you know, the factors that played in for me were, where are people that I know uh, going and where uh, have people that I know gone and been successful and had a good experience? So that for me was the main factor. I just wanted to go somewhere that I trusted. And then based on those recommendations, I further, because everyone's experiences are different, right? So I wanted to vet them for myself. And so I I vetted each one based on the experience that I had in consulting with them. And so how I felt their process was organized and their bedside manner, so to say, the way they treated me, those, those, Mm -hmm. that was the second, the second most important factor. And then thirdly, I think the cost uh, and the ability to maybe save money uh, with, a certain clinic over another was important as well. Okay, it's very, um, very helpful. And tell me, well, tell, no, I know you mentioned you're in day seven, but midway through, will you tell us about the, the whole process? Um, you know, for someone saying, okay, all right, you know, you know, warming up to it, what, what, what about the process? Can you tell us about that? Sure. So just a little bit of background because this was great for me to learn sure. and I learned so much about the the female body during this process and I still have so much more that I can learn. But every, um, every month our bodies choose an egg out of um, like a thousand, I think with each, each like monthly cycle, there's a thousand eggs that are possibly can be matured and your body just chooses one to mature. Um, so that's, and that's, that passes out during your menstrual cycle if it's not fertilized and, um, you know, becomes when, if you, if you're not pregnant. Now, egg freezing, it, it hacks that process a little bit. It hacks that natural process of your body of choosing one egg and by using hormones, you choose all the eggs that are possible during a monthly cycle and mature all the eggs instead of just one egg. Then uh, you are being monitored um, uh, every other day or even more often based on the what the clinic determines. And 
by monitoring you so closely, they determine when those eggs are at the prime maturation. And then uh, they retrieve as many eggs as they can. And then they freeze as many eggs as they can. So it begins by reporting to the clinic when you get your period, because immediately afterwards, you're sort of at the perfect stage for beginning hormone injections. Then you give yourself injections every single day and go to the clinic every other day or more for about 8 to 12 days. And they're monitoring you. You're giving yourself injections. All that is happening for 8 to 12 days. Whenever they feel between days 8 and 12 that your eggs are at the prime state for retrieval, they will say, okay, we're done. To give yourself one more injection, and then we're going to retrieve your eggs. Then you go in, and in a quick, like, 15-minute, uh, very um, non-invasive, I think, transvaginal process, they retrieve the eggs, and then they freeze them. I think it's vitro fertilization or something like that that's very successful, meaning 90% of them usually thaw successfully. So, in a nutshell, that's it. That's how it goes. Well, thank you. And, you know, what we most appreciate is, is really the, you know, like the patient perspective, right? In terms of that, um, we can all, you know, um, get the, you know, the specialist perspective. So, what is so valuable about what you're sharing is that, is that uh, you know, is that perspective of someone actually experiencing it. So, so valuable. And, um Wonderful. And you had mentioned the, you had mentioned the, um, you know, the, co- the cost of freezing eggs being a factor, which I imagine, right? But, you know, for everyone, it's something to consider. What, um, what, what have you found as you sort of, you know, if you shopped it around in New York City and any range or what, what did you find there? Uh, generally it can cost anywhere from eight, it can, it generally the sticker price is usually twelve to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then mm-hmm. if you qualify for uh, financial aid programs, if you are able okay. to receive medications donated to you, if you mm-hmm. take advantage of other special um, promotions, it can go down to about eight thousand. Um, wow. So you're looking at, you're wow. looking at about, okay. yeah, 12 to 15 retail. And, okay. you know, if you do the hard work of, of, of saving money, it can be as low as 8,000 I found. So this is interesting. So one, you had mentioned financial aid programs. You mentioned donating to, um, medicines donated. What, t- tell us about that. I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, what, what, how, how does that go? I mean, um, what what are the? This is so interesting that that can. <laughs> anything you can share about that? Yeah, that's that. absolutely. Hey, I'm not the insider stuff. This is what I'm telling you about. Like this is you can go look up a sticker price. This is not right. This is not difficult. But what you're sharing is so valuable. Because it's like okay, and then you can do this and this and yeah. Any anything you can share. I mean, really, you know, we are, you know, so appreciative of all this sort of insider information and anything or in terms of how, how one brings it down. Yeah. Um, Now I will make a disclaimer that um, 
it's not, it's not, um, technically formally, officially legal. Um, so okay. I want people to just be careful, but sure. the, the egg freezing, the fertility community is so open and generous that you can find, um, donated okay. medications. I think it's just a matter of being very, um, being aware of what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and also yeah. being careful because it is medicine uh, that you are putting yeah. into your body. So okay. with that being said, I made my disclaimer, right? Like be smart about Absolutely. it. Know that it's not, um, yeah. you're, it's sort of, it's sort of under the radar, um, okay. an under the radar community. With that being said, it can be an incredible savings and a gift yeah. because when it comes to egg freezing, those, those sticker costs, the retail cost, which I mentioned was about 12 to 15,000. That is mm-hmm. 50, 50 procedure and medicine. So if it's costing you, um, $15,000, that's, well, mm-hmm. let's just say 12,000 on the lower end. If it's costing you $12,000, it's $6,000 for the procedure and $6,000 for the medication. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. you can't help how much the procedure costs unless, I don't know, your dad's the doctor or something like that. Like the procedure, <laughs> right, right. you know, like the labor is the labor. You're yeah. always going to pay for the labor yeah. for anything. And that includes sure. Sure. Um, all of the visits and the actual freezing of the eggs uh, and the mm-hmm. storage of the eggs. So that is a lot that's included. And that's not something that can be changed. However, the other side, the other half of the equation, about $6,000, right, that can be affected. Um, that's where you can play. And that's where there are, um, you know, for someone who is truly in financial straits, there are programs to help with that. Um, I would explore insurance because insurances are beginning to work with people on the medication side. Um, mm. so there are ways to, I wouldn't bulk at the sticker price right off the bat. That's what I did at first until my friend encouraged me by opening up these, these like possibilities for me. And I began to explore and, and saw, started to see that these were actually very viable possibilities. So, um, I would explore your insurance. I would explore, uh, financial aid programs. And then I, as well, not, not necessarily in that order all at the same time, I would also explore the uh, egg freezing, the fertility community, because whether women are doing IVF or egg freezing or any of these procedures, they use similar hormones. And if you mm-hmm. know your hormone protocol and you uh, sort of post or request about wanting certain medications, like I described before, anytime between 8 and 12, my doctor will tell me, we're done. And it doesn't matter if I have leftover medication, I'm just done. So many sure. women, most yeah. most women end up with surplus because you would rather have surplus than be short, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. most women are going to end up with surplus. And if they can give it to another woman, there you have another um few hundred dollars that you've saved or thousand dollars that you've saved because somebody 
couldn't didn't use the last three days of their medicine. So ah, that's how okay. that's how the donated medications work. And sometimes people right. sell them as well, and you can purchase them for you know maybe half of what you would have purchased them for at the pharmacy, sure. and even even at a um, even at a discounted rate with an ACE program. So you can cut down these costs like over and over again uh, exponentially. And I would say just be very careful about, you know, vetting the people that you're receiving them from, making sure that the expiration dates are far out and that your medications have been stored properly uh, from the person that you're receiving them from. And you're pretty good to go. Very helpful. You mentioned it just as a side note. You mentioned insurance sometimes, sometimes, you know, of course, everyone would need to check their policy, but sometimes, um, you know, covering, you said medicines, more so the medication than, than you've seen, than the, than the process. Is that kind of what, you know, and everyone's different. So who, who knows? But have you seen that as a pattern or would that be overreaching to say that? No, no, I think that that, that's okay. I think that that's safe to say, mm-hmm. but there are, there are, um, friends that I've heard of who have received coverage on the procedure as well. So okay. I would say okay. worth exploring all of it because you could get the procedure sure. and the medication covered. You could get just the medication covered. Either way, it's a lot less money that way. Very, very helpful. I'm sure so for, for a lot of people now, you know, you've already, you know, I'm looking, you know, my next question that I, that I came is any, you know, any guidance based on, again, your firsthand experience, which is so valuable. What, um, you know, any other guidance that I haven't asked in terms of for, for single women who are like, okay, like they're kind of nodding, like you're listening to you and they're like, okay, okay, okay. Any, any other guidance for them, um, who are, you know, who are actually considering, just um, just as you did, but not not quite where you are. Aren't aren't doing it at the moment. Any um, absolutely. Any other I would say, you might have or, go ahead. I would say just really strongly consider it, and at the very least, go for a consultation because most consultations are free of charge, or you know that you can find a clinic that'll offer you a free consultation and just learn more about it because mm-hmm. it is your life and your future and your dream of motherhood and family. And that is worth the investment and worth the time and worth the education, if nothing else. So if you're in your late 20s or early 30s, that's actually a really easy and healthy time to freeze your eggs. It'll be, it'll yield a really great results and um, it'll be much less uh, you know, usually one cycle will yield all the results you'll need and you'll have a lot of healthy eggs that are in a freezer and you have literally frozen that possibility in time for yourself. So as women get older, we begin to get anxious. Every year feels like another year that we mm-hmm. should have gotten married by and should be starting a family by. And to not mm-hmm. have that like low grade stress um, with each passing year is a gift to yourself and to your future partner. So you can very like, you can just 
doggedly pursue all the other things you're pursuing, knowing that you've done what it takes to preserve your dream of motherhood and family. So I would say, yeah, Mm -hmm. my biggest encouragement is that egg freezing is badass. It's something that you're doing Mm -hmm. to invest in yourself and to preserve a dream for yourself. And I would say, go ahead and learn about it and do it. (laughs) Well, now, speaking of prospective partner, which you brought up, have you, I'm curious here, have you, have you experienced bringing this up with any prospective, you know, with romantic partners, any guys, and uh, curious about this, sort of how, any reactions? that surprised you or any any reactions at all? So some women might be thinking that. Um, yeah, I actually am so open. It's not like I'm oversharing uh, and, and, and introducing myself and saying that I'm doing this. But in yeah. chatting and spending time with people, it comes up, right? So whenever... Okay it's been natural to mention that I'm doing it or walking to the clinic or something like that. I've done it and it's been fine. Um, I even had a first date with someone from a match and he wanted to drive out of the city and just hang out, you know, for a few hours outside of the city and enjoy the day. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to pick up, medication from Queens and so we did that together and then we went on a picnic in a park so I've definitely mingled uh, the two worlds my egg freezing and my dating uh, and mm-hmm. it's been perfectly fine it's allowed me to just be honest and it hasn't yielded any bad results I haven't lost anyone as a result and it makes it lets me know I think really like the character of a man because that doesn't scare him or turn him off and I've received uh even stories back from them going through that or knowing someone who went through it uh or knowing someone who had a child uh later in life and so it's been a great conversation piece very interesting. All right. Really appreciate your sharing your valuable insights with us. Um, now, any, you know, to, well, tell us this. How can our listeners find you if they'd like to learn more, if they, you know, especially about the, the virtual health and wellness business that you are, you know, you are launching? Tell us how they can learn more. Sure. So my website is my name, JeanetteNg.com, and the fitness and the acting things are on there and all about me. And then to keep up on a regular basis, on Instagram, I'm Sweat with Jeanette. So it's, uh, yeah, JeanetteNg.com, J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E-E-N-G, and then Sweat with Jeanette is Sweat with J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E on Instagram, and that's where I'll announce when I launch and am looking for my first clients. So if you want to receive the, you know, post about that, that's 
the best way to know that. And um, that's pretty much it. Those two places is where you can find me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, in case you joined us late or would like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Take care. Try as I may, I could never explain what I hear when you don't say Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.